Thanks very much for that. Uh, hopefully that cheer was because you're excited to hear the Word of God tonight. Does uh, anyone here tonight have their Bibles? Yes. And it says boy on it. Good boy. Uh, I know my kids bought like three or four of them, so if you need an extra one, please uh, go and see either Judah or Elsie. They will give you a Bible. Um, but God's Word is truth and it is powerful and it is good for teaching and rebuking and learning. And so tonight, I hope there's a bit of all of that um, because his word will be coming to you. But how good is God? Pretty good. good. How good is his word? It's really good. It is infallible. It is amazing. But thank you for having me here this afternoon. Um, We're in the second week of our series, Rejoices. And uh, it's a three-week series leading into this festive season. Uh, Last week, we heard from Anna, who shared about our Waymaker, Jesus, who even though our sin has been blocking access to God, Jesus has made a way through so that we can have access to the Father. Jesus, our Waymaker. Pretty good. Next week, we'll hear from Toby. Come on about Jesus, the promise keeper. Uh, And this afternoon, we're hearing about Jesus, the miracle worker. And our main passage comes from Luke 17, 11 to 19. So if you just turn there, um, that will be our main passage. We'll jump around a little bit. And I'll read it out to you right now as you turn there. It's uh, page 1075, if you were wondering. (laughs) And it says this. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifting up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let me pray. Father, this afternoon as we unpack your word, I pray that our hearts would be soft, our ears would be attentive to what it is you would like to say to each and every one of us. I pray that as we work through your word, you would use it to encourage, to rebuke, to teach. And we're thankful that your word, when it goes out, sets out, and it fulfills everything it purposes to achieve. It doesn't return void. So tonight, by your spirit, would your word go out, and would it plant seeds in our hearts and grow in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, there are many, many 
miracles in the Bible, aren't there? There's quite a few. I, I wonder if any come to mind when you think of them. But there's creation. There's the parting of the Red Sea. There's manna from heaven. There's water from rocks. There's destroying of armies. There's the coming from heaven to earth as a baby. There's walking among us, feeding thousands, healing the blind and the lame. Jesus freely giving his life so that we could be made right with the Father. What a miracle. Have you ever experienced a miracle? It was one of the questions tonight in prayer before the service. Well, if you were wondering what a miracle is, I, I, I looked at the Oxford Dictionary because I thought, well, it will give a good definition. And the Oxford Dictionary defines a miracle as an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable by nature or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. That is Oxford Dictionary. Thank you very much for that. But there's one miracle in the Bible that Jesus performed that's not really talked about very much. Now, do I have any 30-year-olds in the room this afternoon? Show of hands if you're kind of mid-30. I can see someone mid-30 not with their hand up. That's okay. Maybe you've been embarrassed. That's okay. Well, the miracle that was in the Bible that wasn't explained, that it's not talked about very often, is that Jesus was 30. He was 30, and he still had 12 close friends. That's a miracle. All right. Luke 17, 11. He wasn't married, no. He had time. Thanks, Wayne. Luke 17, 11 says this. First, we note that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And in two chapters' time, we know that he will be entering Jerusalem to the multitudes rejoicing and praising his name, shouting out loud and rejoicing. But he was going through Samaria. Going through Samaria was unusual practice for a Jew. The custom was actually to avoid Samaria because Samaria and Samaritans were considered unclean and defiled Jews because they went against God's command as written in Deuteronomy 7 and intermarried with the Assyrians and worshipped idols. You see, in Harry Potter, the Slytherins, or the Purebloods, considered like the Muggles, like, you know, mudblood. They considered them half-castes. And uh, they looked down on them because of their half-blood. But despite the stigma, despite being surrounded by the sin and the unclean dogs because they were referenced in the Bible as dogs. That's how vulgar they were seen, the Samaritans. Despite this, Jesus went right through Samaria. And actually, Jesus in Acts 1.8 says this. He's giving a command to his disciples, and he says, you will be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he actually commands his disciples to go to those that everyone else would see as unclean, untouchable. 
When we come to Jesus in faith and repentance, Jesus does not avoid us. He doesn't take the long way around like a lot of the Jews would. They would go the long way around to go to Jerusalem and avoid Samaria. Jesus does not do this. He's not overwhelmed or surprised by your sin. He will come straight for it. You see, leprosy was used to describe a number of infectious skin conditions. Not only that, but leprosy was also used as a visual and physical representation of our sin. The separation of the lepers from God's community can be seen representing our separation from God. I need 10 volunteers. Do I have 10 volunteers to just come and stand up here until there's about 10? Just, you'll, you'll sort it out. Stand up, there's none yet. We've got one. Keep going until there's 10. I need 10, just up there somewhere. 10 volunteers. Let's go. All right, this will help, help us. Have we got 10? I don't want too many. Just 10. That's so good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Can we give these guys some encouragement? For All right, here we go. We're about to find out who they are. Verse 12. And as he, Jesus, entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers. They're actually pretty good-looking lepers, aren't they? All right, but what we see in verse 12, who stood at a distance. Okay, guys, you're a bit close to me. I want you to, like, maybe go all the way over there. Thank you. <laughs> See you later. So as Jesus entered the village, he was met by ten lepers. Now nah, all the way together. You're in a vill- you're, you're together. You're like a leper colony. Well, actually... There was a comment from the front, a bit of heckling, which is fine, you can heckle. It was said that these lepers uh, don't listen. But actually, we'll find that these lepers did listen. They listened to the law because they were actually distancing themselves from the community of Israel, which we see in Leviticus 13.45 was the requirement You see, the law required them to stand at a distance, right? So we'll get there in a second. So most likely they would have already gone to a priest and have been pronounced unclean and therefore separated from their friends, family and the community of Israel. So we're all happy here because the unclean lepers are over there having their own little pity party, right? They sound pretty happy. I wouldn't be. The law required them to stand at a distance and also wear torn clothes, grow their hair out, and look just generally dishevelled. That kind of describes a lot of teenage boys, doesn't it? Anyway, Leviticus 13.45 says this. The leprous person who has the disease, this is the law, Levitical law, shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. 
He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Okay, guys, I want you to cover your upper lip with two hands, like this, and yell out, unclean, unclean. Okay, they're doing that so that we'll know to stay away from them, right? They just, yeah, again, I didn't quite hear you. Okay, I can hear them. Maybe they needed to go further away from our camp, but you get the picture. They're away, they're outside the camp. You see, the leprous people are living outside the camp, separated from friends, from family, separated from community unable to work and live a normal life. This is actually a pretty miserable condition, a miserable place to live. But despite this grim situation, despite being unclean and weighed down by sin, the lepers decide to do something, don't they, in this story that we have before us in this passage. What do they do? In verse 13, they do this. And lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's what they cry out. They actually should have been crying out, unclean, unclean. That's what the law said them they would need to do, but they actually acknowledged Jesus and cried out to him as Master and asked for mercy. You see, getting someone's attention from a distance can be pretty difficult, especially if you're outside the camp and in a crowd. Have you ever tried to call out someone's name when like, maybe even after the service or at church you haven't undone hangs and uh, you just tried to call their name out and they're just not getting through? You're just like, ah, and it's just the noise is just all there and you can't hear it. Anyway, there's this whistle high-pitched whistle. You might be able to hear it if your ears tuned in. It actually is a high frequency that cuts through the noise and the rabble. And there's a few people here that know how to do it. It's actually an Indigenous hunting whistle. And it's one that I learnt, not being Indigenous myself, but enjoying hunting or learning new things. But you can tell that it cuts across the crowd. But these guys would have had to be pretty loud to cut through the crowd that was following Jesus. Because you can imagine a miracle worker that was healing people and just teaching and being amazing would have had a big crowd around them. So they would have had to shout pretty loud, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus would have been a fair distance away from them as well. So he wasn't just speaking normally back to, back to them either. He would have had to probably shout back to them. And in verse 14, we hear what Jesus says or shouts back to them. He says, go and show yourself to the priests. Okay? That's what Jesus says to them in a loud voice. And they would have, had, they would have known having already shown themselves to the priests before that they were currently unclean. They would have known that this was the only way to be declared clean. Now, the priests couldn't heal lepers. They could only declare whether a leper was clean or unclean. 
And I, I often wondered how these lepers knew to ask Jesus to have mercy on them. How could they have known to ask that question? Well, actually, earlier in Jesus' ministry, we have another miracle of a leper being healed, recorded in Luke 5. It says this, Luke 5, 12 to 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. All right, 10 lepers, you can have a seat. Thank you so much. Can we give them a hand? Hey, if you were sitting next to one of these 10 lepers, maybe you want to make a little bit more space and uh, move away slightly from them so you don't... Nah, you're all right. We can see in this Luke 5 example that this leper that came to Jesus wasn't actually following Levitical law. He wasn't standing outside on the camp yelling, unclean, unclean. He was coming close to Jesus. He was coming directly to Jesus. And actually we see in this passage that Jesus stretches out his hand and touches this leper. Now, I can just imagine that this leper didn't follow Levitical law, so he wasn't much of a, a, rule, a law keeper. He was a bit of a rebel, you know, could have been, because he wasn't listening to the law. He wasn't following the law. So when Jesus said, don't tell anyone that I've healed you, he disregarded that as well, started telling everyone, hey, I met this guy. I used to be a leper. I'm no longer a leper. And they would have been like, what did you do? And I've kind of, you know, this is what I imagine. He could have said something like that. He could have said something like, well, if you need a miracle, if you need a breakthrough, just ask Jesus. You know, he may have said something like that. But you hear preachers saying things like this, like, if you need a miracle, if you need a breakthrough, just come up here, you'll get your breakthrough, you'll get finances sorted, you'll have health, you'll have wealth, you'll have all these things, just come to Jesus. And maybe that's kind of like the message this one leper gave. And so 10 heard this and were like, wow, we heard this message, let's go call out to mercy to Jesus. And so let's have a look what happens. Um, in Luke 17, we see Jesus again telling the lepers, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. Now, the first leper was also told this, so they probably would have expected Jesus to, to share this to them as well. And being good lepers, they were obeying the law, so they obeyed Jesus. 
So what's Jesus actually talking about when he's telling these lepers to go to the high priests, to go to the priests? Well, we see it in Leviticus 14 when that writes out the laws for lepers. It's, it's pretty long, but I'll just run through it. It's significant, though. Leviticus 14, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the case of leprous disease is healed in the person, the priest shall command them to take for them who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to heal one of the birds, to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall be pronounced clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water and he shall be clean. And after that he may come into the camp. Wow, what a picture. Two live birds, one killed, one dipped in blood, these birds probably white and the blood would have been quite vibrant. What a picture of the sacrifice we know that Christ made for us who are chosen. What a sacrifice, what a picture, this Levitical law that would have been front of mind for these lepers and for Jesus. You see, leprosy used to be greatly feared. And it still exists today, but mostly in the poorer countries. There's about 2 million or so cases of leprosy. I'm not not a doctor. Luke, actually, who we're reading from his gospel, he was a doctor. He would have known what he was talking about when he saw someone and saw leprosy on them. He would have said, that person has leprosy. But it was feared because it was contagious, skin disease. And if you got it, as you heard, you had to go outside the camp. You were declared unclean. You were cut off from community. But it also, as we've seen, was a picture of our sin, which cuts us off from God. These days, with the advancement of medical knowledge, we have antibiotics and we have ways to heal people from leprosy. However, there is still only one way for the leprosy of our hearts to be healed. Psalm 51 says this, Psalm of David, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. 
Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. You see, King David knew that only God could cleanse his sinful heart. And if David, who had a heart after God was sinful, how much more is our heart filled with sin and leprosy? Verse 15 in Luke says this, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go on your way, your faith has made you well. We notice here our Samaritan leper has gone from being outcast and alone, filled with leprosy or sin, calling out to Jesus from afar for mercy. Jesus, have mercy on me. He goes from that situation to falling at Jesus' feet. This is what the miracle worker has done for you and for me. You see, ten lepers hear what Jesus has to say. Ten obey his word. Ten are healed physically. They get what they came to Jesus for. A miracle has occurred. That is the danger of coming to Jesus for your finances, for your health, for your wealth, for the miracles, and forgetting the real miracle that he has done. You see, nine out of ten lepers recommend going to Jesus for breakthrough. Nine out of ten lepers claimed their miracle in Jesus' name. Only one Only one out of ten. Only one out of ten lepers recommend falling at Jesus' feet and asking for forgiveness. Only one heard Jesus say, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Not wealthy, not well respected. Your faith has made you well. Only one of these lepers received two miracles. 
He received an outward miracle, which was great for him because he could regain community. He could see his friends again. He could work. He could get back to normal life. He could get distracted, maybe like the nine other lepers that could rejoin community. Yes, he got his physical miracle, but he also got an inward miracle. You see, undone, we need to come to Jesus and fall at his feet. We need to ask for forgiveness and then rise and follow him. Matthew seven thirteen to 14 says this. It won't be up on the screen, but it just says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. One out of ten in this case. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Did you hear that? From all unrighteousness. You see, Jesus doesn't go around. He doesn't avoid He goes straight to the issue, which is sin. He didn't avoid the cross. It wasn't too much for him to bear our sin and our shame. I'm thankful that he didn't avoid it. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, we see one of these ten lepers coming to Jesus, falling at his feet, confessing his sins. Only one heard the word, rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. And these words undone, these words were not shouted. These words were not said from afar, These words were personal. They were close. Not said from a distance. At Jesus' feet. Rise. Psalm 32 says this. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. 
My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You see, when we minimise sin, we minimise the power of Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. We only ever hear shouting from afar. We only ever seek the physical pleasures. When we minimise our sin, we're the ones hiding from Jesus. He is not hiding from us. You see, the miracle worker desires us to come before him, to fall at his feet, to acknowledge and confess our unclean nature. He desires us to accept the sacrifice that he has made on our behalf so we can be cleansed. On the cross, an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicable by nature or scientific laws has been accomplished. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Let me pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you that you are good, that you are faithful, even though we are not. Even though our heart is full of leprosy and we disobey you and we sin continually, we thank you that you do not avoid us. You didn't avoid our sin. In fact, you took it all upon yourself on the cross. Like those two birds, you dipped one in blood and let it go. Us dipped in your blood and let go and you took the penalty which was death for us so that we could live for you. I pray tonight that there may be some, there may be one that would be willing to confess, that would be willing to fall at your feet and confess their sin so that they may hear you say, rise, your faith has made you well. And for those whose faith has made them well, I pray that you might be strengthened and encouraged knowing that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus, neither death nor life. Nothing on this earth can separate you from his love. That you would go and that your heart would be stirred. That you would want to proclaim the miracle worker. You would want to share his name. You would want to share the miracle that he's done in your life by taking you out of that place of darkness 
and lifting you up out of your sin and allowing you to go free and live because of what he's done. I pray that your word would not return void this afternoon, that it would do all that it is purposed to do in your mighty name. Amen.